0: Hey, everybody. Welcome to your favorite 30-ish minutes of the day. This is the Precisely Simple Podcast, your source for the latest news, interviews, and stories from the manufacturing world. Here, we will dive headfirst into the world of manufacturing and the people that make it thrive. I'm Brandon. And I'm Kyle. So, welcome. <laughs> welcome. Welcome. <laughs> I got to tell you, the pre-show, the uh, the green room, if you will, I've been laughing hysterically, (laughs) and uh, you know, (laughs) I'll tell you during Red Light Green Light. So let's get right into it. So Kyle, Red Light Green Light, how was your week?
1: Oh, it was good. Good. Green Light. Uh, Moving forward, trying to um, we had our essentially Q4 kind of final production scheduling meeting and trying to figure out and figure out that you know, I guess figure out what we still want to do versus what we talked about last month in terms of uh, how we want to roll through Q4 and right. because we deal with government stuff we're trying to you know figure out when the government starts shutting down towards the end of December so we're going to try to juggle manufacturing
0: oh yeah because so we're going coming. to cut kind
1: it of, yeah because that's <laughs> coming so we're, we're essentially going to hit it hard for about the next 10 weeks and give ourselves some buffer time so if we can get some production in cool but we also plan on giving our guys quite a bit of time off So um, so yeah just Trying to literally plan for the rest of this year, because next thing we know, it's January 1st, and we do it all oh, over again. Oh, my so. God, we're
0: going to blink, and it's going to be December yeah. 32nd, 2020. Because, <laughs> uh, uh, <laughs> you know, at the
1: rate we're going, that's it's the way this year's going to be anyway.
0: <laughs> Jeez. I think I told you, Um, I saw a meme online that said, uh, what is it? It was God and Saint Ga- or Gabriel and... And, he's, and God said, Gabriel, did you get everything lined up for the all the disasters for the 2020s? And he goes, oh, 2020s. I thought you meant 2020. And God looks at him <laughs> and says, God, did you give him a decade's worth of natural disasters in one year?
1: <laughs> Maybe.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'm still trying to figure out where murder hornets fit into the plot. I just don't know. Why introduce them if they don't matter on the season? I don't know.
1: I don't know. Don't know.
0: So we've been... Um, We've been green light. So I told you guys last week when we had Brandon Mathis on the show that we started a project. It's our. It's normally it's our second project. This year it was our third, where the students are given uh, twice the amount of work, half the time. It is an induced stressful situation, but it's also one that's very supportive. I don't, you know, it's not something where they have true deadlines. It's it is school work ultimately, but it is a project they have to turn in for a solid part of their grade. It just gets them used to what they're going to see in the shop. And what matters um, when it comes to deadlines. And they're doing pretty well, but they are definitely stressed out. <laughs> yeah, that's awesome. <laughs> it's awesome. They've got to do a, a very simple, a basic LED blinking uh, circuit this week with the 555 timer, which is an old school, been in everything type of thing. Just a real basic okay. thing. Um, just to get their feet wet into the electronics, and uh, they are nervous as can be. But let me tell you something. The quality of the things happening this year are just incredible. The creativity is amazing when you just let them go, when you let them work. Uh, So we're seeing really good stuff. But (laughs) I've got to tell you about these yellow and red lights personally from my home, okay? <laughs> I was right. driving home tonight. I told Kyle this before we started the show and I was crying laughing again. I'm still wiping the tears off of my cheek. So we're we're driving home uh the family and I and my little one normally takes a nap uh during the day. She refused to today as toddlers do. And uh, in the car, she's singing the, in school day teaching the days of the week to the tune of the Adams family, you know, days of the week. There's Monday, then there's Tuesday. So you know, you get the gist. Uh, she was so tired on the way home, she couldn't process the days of the week, but she insisted on continuing the song. So we're my, my wife and I are sitting in the front seat listening to this, and you hear her. there's days of the week, Do do days of the week, there's Monday. Then there's Wednesday. Thursday, days of the week. Let <laughs> him out. She, and that's it. She's, she's shut it down. Three day a week. Solid. I like,
1: I like her style. I like where she's going.
0: It was the best. I told. I told her I was laughing so. Thank God we were pulling into the driveway because I had to just stop the car right in the road and just pull over to the to the yard and finish crying, laughing. It was the best, and it made her laugh too, which is a great way to end the drive home. Uh, it was incredible. So it's been a green week, and it's been a good week and a good weekend. Um, so it's pretty awesome. That is awesome. Uh, so you've got a manufacturing minute that I think is absolutely fascinating. So tell us more.
1: Yep. Yep. So, uh, I guess to head off, uh, manufacturing day, which was October 2nd, I just can't cool. believe it happened just I already just blew right through it. Um, and to kind of one of the articles, um, that I saw was, was super cool was Boeing is shifting all their 787 production to South Carolina. Um, so they have a Puget sound plant <clears throat> where they build like the thirty seven forty seven sixty 60, and I, maybe the seven, seven, Okay. And uh, so the 787, which is their kind of newer one, uh, they're moving all of the production to North Charleston, which is super, super cool. Um, That's huge. And that kind of got me and Brandon thinking about, like, you know, just in South Carolina and Georgia, you got to think there's a ton of manufacturing. GE's got one of their turbine plants in South Carolina, like one of their big assembly plants. Um, I know they make the actual blades over in Norcross. Um, and you got Kia in South Georgia. You've got Kubota in South Georgia. Uh, isn't uh, Porsche doing something else like manufacturing-wise yeah, yeah, here? Yeah, Porsche's,
0: Porsche's building a new facility right next to their headquarters in, um, in downtown near the King and Queen building.
1: Yeah, I mean, there's they're an absolute enormous. ton of manufacturing coming just to the
0: southeast. The economic Abs- development is explosive. Yeah. Um, yeah, Yeah. we've got what Mercedes, Mercedes just did their new facility out of Atlanta. Uh, what is it? Michelin, BMW, both have facilities in South Carolina.
1: Yep. Uh, Um, ZF, ZF's got a place in South Carolina too. Don't they they do transmissions up there? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So like there's just, you look at between automotive, aerospace, um, even some petrochemical stuff. I mean, you got to think Dow's got plants here. Uh, there's a ton of paper mill, uh, inland, uh, Temple Inland's got a ton of paper mills. Yeah. Um. You know, in the southeast area, I mean, Gulfstream s- is out of Savannah, and then oh my yep. god,
0: speaking of Savannah, I mean, they're going to be deepening the port, so we're going to be able to take on anything in the port of anything. Savannah. Yep. Which is just it. It's huge. That's huge for the state and for yeah. the southeast. So
1: yeah. Yeah, and Savannah's just going to get that much bigger of a port. Like it's just <sighs> it's going to be. I mean, it's already a pretty decent size port, but right. when when they deepen it and they can really expand into some of the bigger uh super cargo ships or, or the the super ships then man like Savannah's going to become a like true like eastern seaboard main main hub
0: yeah 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 so, absolutely it's going to be it's <clears throat> going to be neat you know we were down there not too long ago uh, for a family trip to gosh where was that i'm even going to what what island did we stay on saint simons so we stayed on saint simons what what's the name of the ship that's still stuck that capsized there do you remember? I don't know. I don't, I don't know. know. I'll, have I'll look pay attention to the news. Oh, okay, so yeah, who likes the news? Nobody likes the news. <laughs> <laughs> Nobody watches that. There was uh, so. there's still a ship that capsized there, and I think it had, it had like Toyotas on it or something. And uh, listen, just the innovation, manufacturing-wise, of the solution they've come uh, have come up with of of getting that thing out of there is fascinating. You know, they've yeah. they've set up the system to break it up into four sections, and they're just lifting yep. out each section. Whoop. Yep, and taking it out and putting it yep. somewhere.
1: They're, else. They're, they're 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 literally like slicing that hull apart, and then lifting out these big, huge, like floating cranes, and it's it's super it's, cool. Like yeah. that's one of those like you just want to time lapse the next like I don't know year of how they cut that thing apart I and know. pull it. Yeah,
0: I mean I know it's not a good thing. Like oh this is not no, good that, that happened, but I'm but I still like, want to sit there and gonna watch gonna it. Cool to see. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. So. Oh my God. What was it? Oh, the golden ray, the cargo ship, golden ray. That was the name of it. There's a, okay. there's a website. You can look it up. It's SSI and are they're, they're documenting the entire thing. There's people sitting there fishing off of the pier, watching the boat in the background. That's awesome. It's pretty awesome. So that's neat. So it's, it's, it's exciting stuff that's happening in the Southeast when it comes to yep. manufacturing and economic yep. development. And I cannot be happier about all of that. Um, you know, and speaking about that, there was something... This is what got my thought process moving on into the Manufacturing Decoded. Um, and we're going to go into that. But uh, I had a colleague share a uh, post that Killer Mike, uh, he's one of the one of the two artists in Run the Jewels. It's a, uh, a hip-hop group. If you don't know, they're amazing. And Killer Mike is an Atlanta native, and he just got done meeting with um, Governor Brian Kemp. And a part of what he's going to do is try to create an initiative for inner city um, youth and individuals to try to get them into trades and get them working. And he sees this as a great opportunity for people who are missing out. He even mentioned that right now, as it stands, the state of Georgia has 70 opportunities for people to instantly be taken into their their trades program, where essentially the state pays for all of it. So it led us to what I wanted to talk about Oh, which really, I guess, becomes our multi-part, our multi-part series to the end of season one. You are in season one of Precisely Simple. We're probably going to be closing this out right around the end of October. Um, wait, wait, wait! What? We're doing more than one season. Yeah, oh yeah, that's right. We've you been know. renewed for season two. <laughs> <laughs> God, like, <laughs> By, thought, I
1: mean, I, thought I was, was going to get out of this thing. Oh, no, no, you're stuck. You're stuck in this.
0: <laughs> and when I say I've been renewed for season two, it means we've made sure it's okay with the spouses and that we have enough, <laughs> and that our computers haven't crashed and that we still have the opportunity to do this and we enjoy it. Yeah. So, <laughs> so, your favorite podcast, all 106 followers on Instagram, we are now been re- renewed for season two. Um, but coming up on the end of season one, uh, uh, we're going to talk about the skills gap in american manufacturing and this is a very personal and important topic to kyle and i both and i think if you are in a trade and you're in this world you're in a blue collar world this is an extremely important subject to you too uh so because we're going multi-part because this has got so many layers that we have to unravel and the first one i think is really important for us to discuss is really uh, the type of stigma that got created and this kind of disproportionate or even inversely proportionate type of situational understanding of trades and technical colleges and what that means to people in, in our country and really in our world and how that's a created a skills gap in manufacturing, which is really just a crisis in our trade. Yep. Um, So right off the bat, I wanted to kind of come up with our own theories, you know, from our own experiences and what we've seen. I have a very specific theory about where I think this came from, but I want to talk about why trades fell off the map. This used to be a well understood, uh, stable, great opportunity for your family that if you were a tradesman and you had a skill set and you were a craftsman, then you would be able to provide for your family. And that was a very respectable thing. It was not something that was ever looked down upon, but slowly but surely, I feel like it did, right?
1: no i i i agree with you a lot i I think it it had to do a lot with you know post-depression era, uh people that worked and put food on the table and worked and worked and worked none of them went to college it was you know you just went and worked in the plants or you went and worked in the mines or you went and worked in the factories uh and and there was this while it did build the u.s i guess infrastructure and manufacturing um I think the kids of those parents, you know, the parents wanted to say, Hey, I want a better life for you. You need to figure out how to go to college. So
0: like we all do, we always want our, our next generation to have a better life than we did.
1: Sure. But I think they were, I think it was reactionary, and they essentially just thought that the only way for them to have a better life was right. to go to college.
0: Oh, it's an easy goal. Here you go. I didn't go yeah. to college. You should go to college.
1: You should go to college, and you'll do better than me. It was, it was the, the I guess, the least common denominator at the time. So... You know, fast forward those kids who went to college and got the desk jobs and got the accounting and and and, and became, I guess, the the birth of a white-collar worker. Um, they became the ones that said, "Oh, well, if you didn't, it, it, again, like you said, it became this social stigma that if you didn't go to college, you didn't, you didn't amount to anything, or you didn't go anywhere." Right. And you weren't
0: smart enough to get there.
1: You weren't smart enough to go to college. Uh, which is funny because some of the smartest people I've ever met barely made it through high school. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, absolutely. I mean we're talking straight savants, uh, you know, just school wasn't working, you know, and much less go to college. So I, I think, again, you know, as the manufacturing and the, the industrial revolution really kind of spurred here in the U.S. Uh, and even overseas, too, uh, I think that's where you saw that shift. Um, and it was it was a societal shift and, and how they viewed what success was, but it was, again, it was perpetrated by the older generations and the generations before as a reaction to, uh, the, I guess what, what, what really happened with, uh, the great depression. And right. you know, where if you, you know, if, if you didn't amount to anything and you didn't have a skill, you, you, you were, you were nothing.
0: Right, I mean, they say, I mean, and it was all for something good. It was definitely coming from a, a place of of positivity and wanting was, a great was. thing to happen for their children. But you know, like they say, the what is it? The road to hell is paved in good intentions, and yeah, and that seems like that's what it was and, for trades.
1: And yeah, and they just they got this this bad rap of uh, you know, if you're if you're in the trade, then you're just you're not you're not good enough for the regular part of society. And then you started seeing. Uh, you know everything else advertised to the 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 businessman, the the white collar worker, um, and and so you you know your your ads in the fifties and sixties, you know oh you know you looked at uh, you know Better Homes and Garden and housekeeping all stuff like that, and it was all guys in suits that were buying houses and right. buying cars and all stuff like that. It wasn't the guy that you know runs a lathe in the Ford factory. It wasn't. Uh, you know, the people that built you know, ammunition or the guys that, uh, you know, worked in coal mines or steel mills. Yeah, I that's mean, true. Like all that kind of stuff that built and continues to build everything that white-collar work works in.
0: But you know, in all it, fairness, I mean, this was this was the technological boom. Really, this was the it was. whole a technological technological revolution starting really in the late fifties, early sixties. I mean, with the the startup of NASA and and the rocket yep. program and everything, it just seemed like computers and technology and even you know we'll go into another episode another time about the history of CNC and and really when that started to kick into gear, technology was accelerating fast, and you had to. Get that type of some of that type of education to keep up with it. It just sure, ah, it just felt like some of this fell to the wayside. Some of what, what still mattered wasn't treated like it mattered anymore.
1: Well, so let, let me let me back up a little bit and let, let me let me delve into where the term came from. Okay, so may, maybe this will kind of, uh, I guess. Uh, incite people a little bit, and oh, um, I wish we had sh-
0: theme music for Professor
1: Kyle when he comes out. So, Professor Kyle, blue again. Like I said, blue collar jobs came out of the twenties. Okay. So, blue collar workers, mining, construction, manual labor, uh, hourly, hourly pay. They're usually darker clothes because they worked in dirty jobs, against steel mills, uh, uh, manufacturing facilities coal mining, strip mining, anything like that, anything to do with dirty work, you usually wore darker clothes, jeans, overalls, anything like that. So this whole blue collar thing came out of a necessity of clothing to perform a certain task. So the sad part is, is blue collar has kind of evolved to this, this, I guess, preconceived notion that, if you're blue collar, you're not educated, you're not skilled. And therefore you won't be highly paid.
0: Right. Which is, it's
1: funny because in the last even five to 10 years with the millennial generation coming into the workforce, uh, (laughs) it's funny because people are, and I I won't jump too far ahead, but you know, people are getting their underwater basket weaving degrees and they're coming out of school with a ton of debt and, you know, make $32,000 a year. Whereas, uh, you know, Timmy over there, well, uh, you know, he walked out of school at $28 an hour, right. high school, like, or, or, or a one-year trade school. And he's already buying a house at 19. Yeah. It, kind yeah of thing.
0: exactly. Exactly. It's, uh, it, it, oh, man, it, the skills gap really seems like, uh, for those of you not that aren't in it, those of you that are looking for new jobs in it, you're in the prime because the, the work is there. It's and massive. It's yeah. massive. And American manufacturing is only going to continue to grow. I think even though we're in the middle of a pandemic and it's a bad emergency situation, I'm glad to hear the terminology happening more in the news when they talk about me. I mean, oh, so, Lord, here, here, here's, here,
1: here's a good number. Yeah. So uh, jobs report as of last week, manufacturing is still almost 650K shy of January. Wow so uh, manufacturing has taken one of the largest hits for for covid um because you know when people stop buying manufacturers have to start shut down and manufacturing loses their jobs true it's just it's that but at the same you know you can't work from home when you're on a lathe no that's true you can't work from home when you work at a steel mill
0: yeah and you can't work in the steel mill when you get COVID, and if you can't be cutting yep. metal in the steel mill then the, it, yep. the the job shops can't get the material so yep those of you who are noticing that that material cost at Home Depot is is rising,
1: two by fours are getting more expensive. I know it's plywood a, is getting more expensive.
0: Yeah, and that's why we've got, you yep. know, we already were running skeleton crews as it was yep. for skilled labor, and now yep. half of those crews are we're gone. Th- yeah, and a lot of the majority of them are already old enough that they're in a risk zone for COVID, and they're in a risk yep. zone for coronavirus. So these are people who that if they did get to it. You know, that's not great. That's that's a dangerous situation for them. So they're yeah. either being very precautious or they're getting very sick and they're off the job. And that's this is a marginal part of that issue. You know, we want that person to be okay and that is our priority yeah. and we want to take care of them. But if you see the trickle-down effect into the world, you're seeing this every day that manufacturing is directly connected. Yes. And they refer to everything as a global economy and the manufacturing gear in that cog and that's or in that system. It's massive. a major it's a major cog yeah. it if it starts yeah. slowing down, the entire drive starts slowing down, yes, um and it's it and I think we've been lucky enough, and we've discussed this that we've seen we've seen things transition, but you know my my thought process on this, my theory about the whole drop off of this is very similar to Kyle's in that um <clears throat> you know from the family side of it, I agree coming out of the Great Depression, please just be the first. I I think the terminology, be the first in our family to graduate from college. And we hear that from the later generations right now. I was the first in my family to graduate from college. And I've heard that many times. Yep. And that's because that was a very big thing for them. So if you think about it, somehow that phrase itself, be the first in our family to graduate from college has morphed into at least graduate college.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I, I don't As, even care if it's not what you want to do. Just finish just college. Go, just get a degree.
0: As though that was a litmus test for success.
1: Success. Yep.
0: Which is mind-boggling because if anybody's paying attention to what's going on right now, high, and I know I'm personally involved being a teacher, but high risk, or what is it? High stress. Um, no, what is it? Um, what's the terminology for it? It's not high risk, but it's something the the testing, like this extreme testing, these standardized testing yeah. that is so stress-inducing. And really... It's pigeonholing kids it's, so and it's a bad. Not, yeah, it's not a real measure. And honestly, you, you discuss the, the stuff that's happening in society and everything today. It really does... Marginalize a group of people. You can have somebody who's really talented on a on a CNC machine, or somebody who really has this the craftsman ability in them, and will do terrible on the standardized t- testing, and think that they have no opportunity or no future because we're so blind right now to, I, I, to the I, trade I know, side of it.
1: I know we're on a podcast, but I'm like slowly raising my hand. I know uh, because like <laughs> I I am I am 100 that guy. Like I test so horribly, just. It just, I, I, I have to, I have to do stuff with my hands. Um, I, I have to, that's just the way I, I prog like I cognitively process stuff is, is through a physical interaction, physical touch and cognitive ability. That's that, that is where I like just spinning regurgitating information back onto a test, you know, I'll, I'll test like a, like a sophomore in high school. Right. It's, it's horrible. Um, but again, that education wise and societal is where the 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 standards are and the the direction and the the focus is being pushed is that oh well if you don't if you don't do this then you're just nothing
0: yeah exactly and it and it bothers me and it bothers me and and it leads into um you know the other the other item that i wanted to to discuss in this and that I've put it into a phrase and I'm going to coin this phrase and I'm going to use it I'm going to keep it forever is that this is, this is now how we're measuring success. And I think our ability to measure success on so many different levels is absolutely skewed. It's wrong. I think there is a, a certain level industry wise and there's a certain level, uh, academically and there's a certain level personally that, We are measuring our success in some ways or another not correctly. And this is one of the things that I want everybody to take home with them. If you can get anything out of this episode, please remember this phrase, and I'll explain it, and Kyle and I will break it down. Success in life is not inversely proportional. If anybody remembers inversely proportional, that is a state where when one thing goes up, the other thing goes down. And what I mean by that is somebody's six – and this is something we've got to get through – Somebody's success in a university or a four year degree system or or a proper, you know, like a university does not lessen the success margin of somebody in a trade school. No. Nope. Like just because this person is doing really well in this university, or because this university is has more students, or that's or it's considered a a more white collar. Just because something is white collar does not white collar is not good doesn't mean that blue collar is bad. And just because blue collar we're saying is good, we're not saying white collar is bad. No. It's life and, and success is not that way. And it's just the same when it comes to the people in the shop. And we all need to, man, Colin and I were talking about this. That's a lesson we've had to learn. And it's taken years for us to really kind of get it around our heads. And And you become happier when you recognize it too, that somebody else doing better in the shop, if one of your colleagues gets promoted, that doesn't make your job worse unless no. obviously they get to be promoted to be your boss and they're a jerk. Yes, it does. <laughs> but <laughs> but yeah. a colleague's success does not equal your non or unsuccessful demise. Yeah. yeah. Your demise. Thank you. Yeah. Um and and rightfully and and just the same, uh you know, you you doing really well. Like if you're you do you work hard and you become successful and you you reach a level where you are truly happy, You're not thinking about that in a way of saying, "Well, I really hope that the person that you work, Frank, or whoever it is you work now, I really hope his life sucks now that mine's getting better." No, that doesn't cross people's minds. It just, you know, and if it does, obviously there's other issues, but it doesn't cross (laughs) our minds. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) Um, And we need to understand that, and we and we also need to understand that really, oftentimes, success can be directly proportional if you will help the person next to you. You will only get better. If if somebody else is doing well, we are all doing well. And yep, I and and I'm only now starting to see this start to shift and change. That we're understanding that just a student deciding to be successful and go off to college and get a scholarship for you know football or, or biochemistry or something else and to get their PhD, it is equally as good. For a student who can make it into a trade school and then make it into the union and be a boiler maker and be one of the best welders in the world at the end of this I've told my students over and over the measure of success when you're done with university and you've gotten your bachelor's degree and then your master's degree and then your doctorate and then your PhD and then your whatever's after that I don't know I'm calling you doctor at this point <laughs> at the end of this day what are you trying to do and they're like uh, you know I want to be a this I want to be a that yes yeah, said, yeah that's great how do you do that? Like, what is it you're trying to do? And they finally break down and get to the very bone basics of it. It's like, I'm trying to get a job. So is the other person. Yeah. And why are we trying to get a job? So we can be a successful, productive member of society. That is it.
1: And provide for our family.
0: Provide That's it. for our family. And if you find one way, to, if you find route A works for you and it does it, that is awesome. And if you find route B works for you and does it, that is awesome. And I just, it's it's so passionate to Kyle and I both, because we've seen the success both personally in our own lives and in the people around us that comes with being able to not have to go to college and not have to go to this traditional route and actually can be good with our hands and make a life out of it and that it's okay and the, it's, the, it's tough. The, 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 the biggest
1: purveyor of this stuff, and I, I absolutely love him for it, Is Micro?
0: Oh man, yeah. And if you
1: and if you don't know who Micro is, or maybe are some of our international listeners, go look him up. Look up a little show, small show, only ran you know nine seasons, uh, (laughs) called Dirty Jobs. (laughs) And Dirty Jobs is is essentially where Discovery paid Micro to just literally fly around and explore other people's trades that made them happy. Yeah, and it's everything from shoveling poop to like exterminating you know bugs under a house to cleaning sewer lines to scraping asphalt and all of the people that do everything and it it just it did an amazing job of highlighting how happy and content some of these people were doing things that a lot of people thought were so beneath them um, that they wouldn't even give someone a person like that the time of day, just based on the clothes they're wearing or the job title they had. And, and Mike does a really, really good job pushing that. Um, he's got another, uh, foundation called MicroWorks where it's, it's, you know, pushing education, but non-traditional education. It's like, if you want to be a, gardener and you want to be a professional you want to be a, a, a trash guy if you want to be a farmer like who cares you know just just put all your effort into it be happy and content and always push to be you know like you want to be a farmer all right you produce some of the best holistic all natural milk cows out there and you, prov- you, you provide really good cream and it goes into this really nice uh high-end ice cream okay at the end of the day you're a dairy farmer but at the same time you also produce some of the best cream on the eastern seaboard for these super high end restaurants that serve you know 80 dollars a scoop ice cream how is that not successful
0: absolutely
1: at all and, and 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 he did a really really good job with that show. I can always always watch Dirty Jobs and because he 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 went above and beyond to show that just because you do not have a traditional job doesn't mean you are not happy and or successful.
0: I we've I, people talk so many times in their lives about kids. You know, we talk about kids like, "Oh god, I wish I could be I wish I could be how I was when I was a kid and it just everything made you happy, just the simplest things, made you so happy. Or, yeah. you know, I, everything was just so easy and it just made sense back then and everything wasn't so complicated. And you know what? Take that as a part of advice for looking at this. How many children do you see that, that think, and you see this online, that think the garbage guy is the coolest guy because he's got that machine that picks it up and yeah. he's able to, yeah. Or he's like the, the kid who loves the UPS driver and, and wishes he could throw the packages out that. Their mind is absolutely pure and that hasn't had an opportunity to learn these these stigmas and these ways of looking at things wrong and sees that is cool. I think that is cool. And that's okay. Like listen, everybody out here, just those of you who who talk about the heroes, I can hear my dog snoring in my lap right now. (laughs) So I don't know if that says anything about the audience. (laughs) Uh listen, yeah, done. All right our, our every, law enforcement and, 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 and firemen and paramedics. First
1: responders. First yeah.
0: responders. These are the heroes that work out there every day and put so much on the line and they are tradespeople. They are yep. skilled at their craft and they're good at it and some of them had to go through a lot of training. Some of them had to go through some college. It's all yep. over the board but these people but are, the- they're still trades people and we look at them and go oh. yeah this is awesome. These are good people.
1: Yeah and and it's funny because uh when you're upside down in a ditch uh all of a sudden those became those people become very valuable to you
0: yeah and, and the person yeah
1: and it's always interesting when when kind of the tables turn and and like oh well the the trash man hadn't been here why hasn't my trash been picked up you know in my you know estate house and whatever like that and you know you haven't it's just the the perspective has been skewed for so many years and it is slowly turning back
0: absolutely uh, it is.
1: but it it cannot continue unless we perpetuate it. To be honest, Mm -hmm. like we have to let that mindset grow that it is okay to not have four pieces of paper on the wall. But again, those four pieces of paper could be certificate programs. They could be, you know, like an EMT or a CPR certificate or this, or forklift training or, this or uh weld certifications i used to have an entire binder of weld certifications i mean because i was certified in uh both manual different processes different materials uh all i mean i literally had a one inch thick binder full of paperwork boom that i could i could walk into any shop and command you know solid 30 40 50 an hour without even blinking without even even thinking about it
0: it's and it's, it's that's you know. yeah, exactly. And um, look at look at uh, it, those of you who love NASCAR, Newman Haas Racing, the Haas Racing, and then they also have the Formula One. Those of you who like the Formula One, again, Haas F1 team. This is all based off of machine tools. These are yep. these are people who manufacture machine tools and are able to do the stuff that you enjoy in that way. It's it's absolutely. Oh man, you know what? Millennials, I'll tell you this and I know you mentioned millennials and I want to mention this again. Listen, that generation got a bad rap. Now, they were dealt a bad hand and I agree with Simon Sinek, you know, once I've seen some of the stuff he's talked about, once I've experienced working with some of these people, it's it's just that generation I don't know. It's it's hard to put your your hands on it, but it's not entirely to blame for them, but I can give them this. They did bring a new perspective to the workplace where the drive to make the most money is absolutely gone and yep yep the drive to have the biggest house the most cars don't the, care the yeah they don't care their drive was to make an impact that was the thing i don't feel like i'm making an impact and that's huge because if you can get the global perspective of how important manufacturing really is to the world you understand that the job of the guy working listen the job of the guy whose job is to make captured bolts let's and anybody out there who's had to use a manual lathe to create captured hex bolts (laughs) (laughs) and knows that miserable process of trying to turn the neck down just enough so that it stays in place the person who has that job every day making those captured bolts that bolt into the jaw that make up the jaws of life that a that a paramedic uses to get you out of the car in an accident you make an impact That person is making an impact every day. And I promise you that person in that factory knows they are. And that is part of the success and that is part of the satisfaction in their heart. And that is something that if we can translate this to the people around us, that the people in this field find pure satisfaction in what they do and that that should be your drive, success will follow. And I've told that to my students left and right. If you will continue to try to strive to be the best at what you do, enjoy what you do, find your calling and chase it and be the best at it. Don't worry about the money. Don't worry about the job titles. They Su- will come.
1: Success, yeah, success will literally chase you down and beat you up. It absolutely <laughs> <It's>, It will <laughs> knock you over and say, you're going to have this title now and, and you're going to do this. And then the guy that was shoveling asphalt may move up to supervisor, then may may move up to shift lead, and then next thing you know, he's running his own crews. And the next thing you know, the owner's like, man, you've been killing it for five years. Why don't you start up this branch in another town? And then five years down the road, he may have his own company with 50 employees underneath him because he started shoveling asphalt. Absolutely. And he was the best one on the crew.
0: And you know what? And that's it. That's it. That's all it takes. And you know what? That goes back to the inversely proportional. You chase down your opportunity to be the best at your craft that you possibly can and you bring as many people with you as possible your goal should be to be pushing a freight train in the direction of being the best at you the best that you possibly can and your secondary goal is to throw as many people on that train as you can and pull them to the top with you i promise you there is no Success that is driven by pushing others in the opposite direction, ever none. The most successful people, period, I've ever dealt with ever, are always people who bring people with them who are always trying to make the people around them, if not more successful than them, at least as successful as them. Yeah, and that's just just that is a hundred percent it. So, and look, that's uh, that you know we're at 37 minutes, so I think that's a good solid ending for part one. You can see, can you all see now why this is a multi-part thing? <laughs>
1: Yeah. There's so much to cover. There's, there's so, it's a very deep subject. Um, it's been something that's been ever involving. Uh, we have a lot more to talk about a lot more views, a lot more things to explore and, and really converse about and, and bring, bring to light and try to, try to, I'm trying to think of the best way to describe it. Really try to in, allow other people to envision a different path,
0: right? Yeah. yeah. That
1: a different path is possible. And you may not have thought about it. You may be, you may be at home, go, you know, not work for six months. And you may realize that, you know, I really like woodworking. Maybe I should go find a woodworking shop that has half their staff has been laid off because they couldn't come in or this, this, or, you know, I want to go build ships or I want to go work in the transit system. I'm going to work on the railroad. Yeah. I love I loved trains as a kid. I want to go work on a railroad. You know how much a train engineer makes? Oh, like when good you, money. It takes a long time. You know, it takes several years to get there. Engineers make almost six figures. Yeah. So, you know, there's, there's, compute that in your head. Yeah, let that been, click, just a <laughs> little let, bit. Let that click. Six figures to stand in the front of a train and pull a train horn and run help run this country. Because, Absolutely. Because transit of goods is what keeps this this the, the country alive. Manufacturing is great, but if you can't get it anywhere it doesn't matter.
0: That's true. So this
1: transit system, yep. all that stuff, like everything interconnects and a lot of people live in their own bubble and don't realize how much everything is connected. And and you you could be a part of that. You could wake up every morning and be like, yeah, I drive a, uh, you know, 800,000 ton train. Not a lot of people could say that.
0: And so many people are finding success right now starting up as Amazon truck drivers. Yep. You're a part of the chain. You yep. Manufacturing, distribution, and logistics. That little triangle, that triad right there keeps it afloat, keeps the country afloat. And, and our job, if not... A tiny one it feels like at this time and we're gonna grow and push it out there is to try to help you know support those of you out there to know listen the things you think are the things we think too and the feelings you have are the feelings that we have too and your successes are our successes too and we are all absolutely in this together so if you take anything from this episode just know you being in front of that lathe or you being behind the wheel of that truck or you running that crane or you driving that forklift all day you are a key component to this mechanism of keeping all of us afloat and i truly thank every single one of you for being a part of this you are an incredibly important part of it um and it's and it's it it's, it means a lot it means a lot to all of us and i don't think i don't think it's ever said enough and it needs to be no. said it's not. So, look, this week, uh, you know, we'd like to talk. We'd like to end our segment by humbling ourselves a little bit. <laughs> but let's be honest. <laughs> it was never my fault. It was the tool's fault. <laughs> oh, of course. Duh. Jeez. Um, so... Uh, so this week's uh, this week's tools fault we were talking we were talking about what we we're gonna discuss on these things Kyle didn't have one to share obviously I have a multitude of them because I work in a in a high school and I teach to students and I see so many tools faults left and right <laughs> so it's not it's very easy to narrow these things down um, but I just wanted to <laughs> I just I, I'm so sorry this is so bad <laughs> Um, you know, the simplest thing, it was the simplest thing about, uh, uh, tool touch offs. Okay. And it's the thing about taking things for granted. I spent some time this week working with, um, a partner school, helping them get their, um, getting one of their CNC machines dialed in. And we have a similar brand, but they're different series of CNCs, but they're running on the same software and they have the same components installed. And. There's a process on the CNC routers that we have that have a special touch-off probe. And those of you who have them know that there's a way to surface a spoil board, bring a tool down to it, touch off the tool to the top of it, use that to calibrate a tool offset probe. And then once you've done this, if you've done this correctly and you program everything correctly, it makes life so much easier. You only have to touch off one tool at the beginning of your process if you have any kind of uh, delineation in the material doesn't matter because it totally works Spent some time this week uh working with a couple of other uh people in another school trying to get their stuff dialed in and i want everybody to understand that this was one of those things where they kept saying you know i think it's the tool (laughs) (laughs) and and i think it's the tool that's causing it to do this and and this material is just not going to work or uh, we had a small piece of plexiglass and we were trying to cut some pieces out of it. And obviously holding it to a vacuum table, you know you need to have enough surface to actually hold the vacuum. And when pieces get real small, um, they tend to shoot off of there if they're not supported correctly. And if you're running a tool at not the quite RPMs, your speeds and feeds, th- this can totally throw things out of whack and dull the tool and destroy your surface finishes. We had a culmination of all of these and none of the things they were doing were wrong it was just a small grouping of it It says hey you know you've got an 18,000 rpm spindle with this type of material and this type of tool it's best to run full blast and dial in your feeds not the rpm uh when you've got these tiny pieces on this full sheet add some tabs to it they don't have to be much but just enough to keep the thing together so it holds a vacuum and touching off hey surface both of these parts of the spoil board so you remove the glaze coat on the mdf because the glaze coat will prevent the vacuum from getting through the spoil board these are things that i know those of you who don't have a cnc router don't know what i'm saying but you can get the gist of it it's all surface prep it's all tool prep it's all all software prep the thing i want to share is that more often than not it's not the tool's fault and it's wrong for us to say it's not the operator's fault it's just we have to stop and remember that not everybody's going to know everything we know And they're not the things that are obvious to us are obvious because we had the opportunity to have them not be obvious to us first. If we were lucky enough to have somebody show us, then we know from somebody showing us, but more often than not, those of us in the shop know because we screwed it up. (laughs) (laughs) So I want to tell you the things that I, I shared with these people, the insight I shared with them, the tribal knowledge I gave them was from stuff that I had more often than not screwed up and figured out along the way. So, These things that you're messing up, the the tool's fault, share them, pass on the knowledge, help prevent a few extra tool breakages and some spoil board damage and some end mill and and spindle damage. And uh, when it is the tool's fault, own up to it and take it and say, hey, this is what I did when it screwed up and this is what I learned. And I think you can learn from it too. Uh, People tend to listen to you a lot better when you come at them and say, hey, so I broke a tool off real bad when I did this, but I did figure out this works. Because you've humbled yourself in front of them, and that usually means a lot more to somebody. It instantly gains their trust, because if you're willing to kind of put yourself out like that, it it means a lot. So, a lot of meaning to what we had to talk about today, I feel like. Yes. Um, Which makes me really comfortable and happy about the episode. So, I guess, uh, Kyle, you want to close this out?
1: (laughs) Oh, with all of that, and... (laughs) As we uh, as we round out this last season, um, again thanks everyone for for listening. For sure, we we really really enjoyed this. We're very very excited about next season. Yeah, we are. We've got a couple more episodes and some a uh, one really really fun episode uh, that before we close out this year. But um, with that all being said, until next time, remember it always fit in CAD.
0: Yeah, it always fit. <laughs> Bye guys. Bye.